0: We thank God for all of our volunteers and <clears> that serve both in the kids and the nursery. Such a blessing. Um, let me mention this, too. Uh, I talked to Ms. Doris last night. She had to evacuate. They evacuated her. You know, she moved to Charleston, and they evacuated her for the hurricane and everything, and she called last night and said that they uh, got her moved back, back into her, her nursing home, and, and everything's great and she got settled back in and everything so she just wanted to thank everybody that had been praying and reaching out to her so uh and if you if you have miss doris's number uh you know take the time to reach out to her and just to say hello to her and she uh you know if you if you do that uh i'm sure she would she would enjoy that and be a blessing to her so um uh, uh you know I, sometimes you can i'm sure you can get lonely in in the nursing homes and different things like that so uh, if you if you have her number or want her number, I can give it to you and and uh, just reach out and say hello to her. So, Amen. All right. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter ten. <clears throat> Luke chapter ten. We have been studying, um, you know, all year. We have been studying on the supernatural and talking about, uh, you know, the Lord gave us the word that that 2019 would be the year that the that the supernatural becomes our new natural. And I and and to be honest with you, I've seen. Uh, I've seen it in my life. I've, I've I've heard many many testimonies of you guys, just how uh, you know how the supernatural is becoming a reality. How you're seeing it, you're understanding it. Uh, a lot of, and a lot of times, to be honest with you, um, it's kind of like what BJ was talking about when he was talking about the, the baptism, uh, water baptism. Is it's not it's not necessarily that uh, it's like he said with water baptism. It's not necessarily that you know like you haven't ever been baptized. You know maybe you got baptized when you were young or something like that, but it's the fact that now you have a little bit better understanding of it, and now that you understand what it is, <clears throat> you know you just want you want to take advantage of of the supernatural aspect of it and say, you know what i mean I want to do this again i want to, i want to, I want to just rededicate you know and just say, you know what man i'm I'm going full force for the lord and and you know so so uh for many of us we we've, we've actually lived and walked in the supernatural in areas of our lives and we may not have ever even known it was supernatural you know because because god was involved we you know because listen i grew up in church i mean i i lived i i was i've been in church since you know i, I mean I, I, there wasn't a time when i never wasn't in church you know as far as growing up i mean my mom had me in church from the time i was a baby and until you know i think i've told you guys i think maybe I may have missed two consecutive Sundays. Is the longest I've ever missed in church. I mean, you know, just I mean, my life has been church. But how many of you know that that just because I've been in church all my life doesn't mean that I have a complete understanding of everything. And and I grew up in a denominational church, and it was I mean, it was I was into my twenties, and sometimes even in in some things I was even into my thirties and late thirties, and even early forties before I started understanding some of the some of the true meanings and some of the revelations of the Word. And you know what? I'm not through yet. I mean, I'm still learning, and now God's still revealing things, and He's still opening my eyes to things. And thank God for that. Aren't you glad that, 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 we, that you and I have the capability to still learn and to, to still to get revelation and to, for our eyes to be opened even more so that we can walk more in the things of God? I mean, I'm so glad that my, that my understanding didn't stop when I, you know, just when I was 20 years old or 30 years old. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be learning, and, and we the way all of us should be. I'm going to be learning to the day I die. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to know more about God every day, and, and that's a good thing. So, so we've, a lot of us have lived in the supernatural, and we've walked in it in certain areas. I remember Brother Hagin. When Brother Hagin first came out and, and talked about the Believer's Authority when he first produced that book, that was in the, I think that was in the 70s maybe. I, I, I believe 70s or early 80s when he wrote that book. I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, I may have that date wrong, but but Brother Hagen said even then he said you know he said that, that the majority of the church he said the majority of the church had just started to walk in the revelation had just started to to touch the revelation of the believer's authority you know and isn't that something I mean and still to, still you know uh, to this still to this day I would say that many people are just starting to 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 wade in the waters of the supernatural. You know of the of the power of God and of the supernatural. So so I encourage you. You know don't don't get tired of this. Don't say oh I wish you'd get off the supernatural. Don't don't do that. <laughs> you know let's let's just press in and say you know what God give us more revelation. And it's just like this morning I, I'm going to share. I, we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. How many of y'all have heard the, the parable of the Good Samaritan? How many, and, you know? And and I'm sure in Sunday school if you were raised in church, this the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We were, we were taught that the parable of the Good Samaritan was all about being a good neighbor. It was all about just loving your neighbor and, and being kind to those that, that you meet. And, you know, there is, a, there is an aspect of that that's correct. I mean, Jesus, you know, because the, the guy, we'll read this, but the, the guy asked Jesus, you know, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the, of the, of the parable, and at the end of it, he asked, he asked you know uh he asked the guy that asked the question jesus asked him he says so who do you think was the neighbor and, and he told him you know and jesus said well then go and do likewise but do you realize that that whole story really doesn't the the emphasis of that story was not on just being a good neighbor the emphasis of the story of the good samaritan all has to do about eternal life whether you whether you you know and i'll show you that i'll, I'll back that up with scripture. The original question that this guy asked Jesus was "What must I do to inherit eternal life and in that context Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan so Jesus was he was telling a parable and he, he showed he, he showed this guy this parable about the Good Samaritan and it was all about how you know it's all about eternal life it was a it was really a prophetic parable about Jesus coming to the earth and and Coming and healing or coming and offering salvation and offering the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and how the whole the whole process of salvation and the the infilling of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and 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 it was his explanation of what was getting ready to happen you know through his life and and I'll show you this we'll we'll uh, point this out in your bulletin as a matter of fact um, in your bulletin on your sermon notes I did a lot of work for you. And took a lot of work away, away from you. Uh, I put a, I put some notes in here, and I put all of the, all of the characters of the story of the Good Samaritan in here. And we're going to look at, we're going to go through this and look at the, look at the characters of the, of the story, of the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. And we're gonna, we're gonna see how it relates to salvation and how it relates to what Jesus. And, and I won't necessarily, like I said, I don't necessarily say that we were wrong in teaching it about that it was about a good neighbor, but, but that there's so much more to this story. Let me ask this. Did everybody get a bulletin? Because if you didn't, raise your hand, and the ushers get you one so you can have the notes on here. If you need one, raise your hand, and you might just pass out a couple, Stephen, and to make sure, because I normally... I, I used to put the sermon notes in there a lot, and then I kind of got away from it. and I just felt yesterday as I was going back over this, I just felt like, just keep your hand up if you need a bulletin, and Stephen's got one there for you. And... Um, <clears throat> Maybe one or two more up here. I need one too, Lewis, if you don't mind. Uh, I didn't grab one this morning. That way I can make sure that I get all, the, get all of them answered. So let's talk about, let's talk about this story about the Good Samaritan. First, let me, let me say this. Um, because what we're going to talk about the next few weeks is we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, of course, when we talk about the supernatural, um, the Holy Spirit plays a huge part in that. As a matter of fact... He's probably the main player in that, the main character. Anytime you start talking about the supernatural, because because it's it's the it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus left for us. You know, is it's, he's he's the main the main character. He's the main uh, emphasis of really the Christian life today. I mean, because he is the one that's living on the inside of us, and and a lot of times you know we we've, we've talked about this a lot and, and and shared this, but you know a lot of times we don't. Uh, we don't. We forget about the, the true power we have on the inside of us. Think about this for a moment. What is the greatest What is the greatest difference between the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? What is What is one of the greatest uh, differences between those two covenants? And uh, you know, there's a lot of differences, but but the point I want to make in it is this: one of the biggest differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is the role of the Holy Spirit. Because in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon people at times. He would, and He would only come on certain people. He would only, there was three people, three categories of people that the Holy Spirit would come upon. And that was the priest, the prophet, and the king. And if you wasn't one of those three, if you weren't a priest, if you weren't a prophet, and if you weren't a king, the Holy Spirit, very seldom would the Holy Spirit come upon anybody other than those three groups of people. That's the reason that people would, would seek a prophet out and asked, asked him, what's the Lord saying? The king would do the same thing. The king would, you know, the king would, would, would find, uh, the, the Holy Spirit would come and, and the Lord would talk to the kings as well. But the kings would have priests and prophets surround him so that he could hear and make sure that he knew what God was saying. You know, the godly, the godly kings would. And even the ungodly kings would sometimes uh, seek the services of a prophet you know, to, to figure out what was going on. And so in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came on people, it was evident. You know, I mean, you know, it wasn't, just like, it wasn't just like the Holy Ghost come on somebody and they just had goosebumps and said, Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost. It was so much more than that. As a matter of fact, when the Holy Ghost would come on people, the story of Elijah in 1 Kings, I think, seventeen, eighteen, in there, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came on Elijah and he outran the chariot, the king's chariots down the mountain. Now, think about that. The king would have the fastest and strongest horses, the best equipment. I mean, there wasn't anybody faster than the king's chariots. But yet, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah, and a man outran a horse. That's the power of God. Think about Samson. Samson was a man that, that the power of the, or the, the, the Holy Spirit would come on Samson. And he, at one time, I love the story of Samson. At one time, he, he went and jerked the, the gate off of a city and carried up the mountain away from the city. Now, the gate of a city, it wasn't just like a gate out going into a back door. We're talking about a huge gate, probably, probably weighed maybe even a thousand pounds or more. I mean, you know, it's a huge gate to enter into the city, like a double, like a double uh, four-lane road going into a, into a city or something, and it had a gate on it. One time the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson, and he grabbed the gate, jerked it off the hinges, and carried it up the mountain and threw it on top of the hill. In other words, there was evidence that, that the power of God was on these men and women. You know, when the, when the hand of the Lord would come on them, when the Spirit of God would come on them... So then you fast-forward to the New Covenant, and in the New Covenant, the Bible says, now the Holy Spirit didn't just come on people, but at salvation, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And not only does He live inside of us, Jesus told His disciples, He, he, he shared with His disciples, He said, you know, and, and I believe when, when, when He met them that day and He breathed on them, I believe that that was the moment that they, after his resurrection, I believe that was the moment his disciples got born again. And then, and then he, then Jesus said these words, and it's the whole story of the, the first couple chapters of the book of Acts. Jesus told him this. He said, Now, y'all go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Or, or another way, we don't use that word endued very much, but we can say it this way in today's language it would be go wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, of course, we know when that was. That was on the day of Pentecost when the, when, the, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They saw cloven tongues, a fire sitting on each one of them. They, were, they started speaking in tongues and everybody thought that they were drunk, but you know, Peter stood up and said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say they weren't drunk. He just said, he said They're not drunk like you think they're drunk. Amen. You know, he said, They got a new wine that they're drinking. And that's gonna that's gonna play a part in, in this, even in this parable of the Good Samaritan. We're gonna see that play a part in this in this parable. So the biggest difference, one of the biggest differences, not the only difference, but one of the biggest differences between the old covenant and the new covenant is the role of the Holy Spirit. Because now in the new covenant. For every one of us, when we give our life to God, when we give our life to Jesus, we invite Him to be our Savior, then all of a sudden the Bible says we become a brand new creation on the inside. The Holy Spirit literally comes to live on the inside of us. And we have the same power that rested on Samson, the same power that rested on Elijah, the same power that that raised, and actually the greatest act of power that ever was, the Bible tells us, was when the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. He went into hell and rose and, and, and brought Jesus back out of the depths of hell, and he brought him out a victor, not a victim. And, and the Bible says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you. Come on, that's good news. Amen. I mean, in other words, listen, we're not powerless. Amen. We, I mean, we have that power living on the inside of us every single day, available any time that we seek it. Come on, man, that's good. I mean that's that's good news amen so so you know the, the the issue is a lot of times we don't we don't appropriate that or we don't um, we don't take into take into consideration the power that's living on the inside of us when we face circumstances and troubles and trials we, we go about it trying to do our own way trying to do it through the way you know the way we were brought up or the way we've always done it or or just trying to figure it out in our own strength and in our own power, instead of allowing the power of the Holy Spirit, which is on the inside of us, instead of allowing Him to do it, we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability. And we end up getting in trouble. And we end up seeking, you know, crying out, saying, God, where are you? And He's, you know, and in that still small voice, He's like, I'm right here. You know, you just kind of forgot about me. You know, so so let's read this. So let's look at this this story about the Good Samaritan. Now, and let me just share this too, because just something for you to to know. Uh, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They were like enemies. The Jews looked at the Samaritans as if they, and actually they called them, and actually the name Samaritan itself means something. So I don't know the exact meaning of it. I should have looked that up, but but I remember. Basically, the meaning, the meaning of the name Samaritan means something like a half-breed. In other words, it's a mixed breed. The Samaritans were a group of people that didn't have their own nationality. They were kind of a mixture of different nations. So, so the, the the pure Jews looked at the Samaritans as like less, less than who they were. They, they they didn't they wouldn't have anything to do with the with the Samaritan. That's the reason when Jesus went to the well that day and that Samaritan woman came and was drawing water and Jesus asked for a drink of water. She's like, what are you a Jew talking to me a Samaritan for? You know she she couldn't understand why Jesus a Jew would talk to her. And that's when she read you know Jesus read her mail and and said you know well, the water I have you know you could drink and you'll never thirst again. And she's like, give me that water you know. And, he said, go call your husband. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you're right. You've been married five times and you're living with a guy. And, and guess what? She became the first evangelist. Because she, she went back to her city and said, come and meet this guy that told me everything about my life. And she brought and she brought a whole group of people out to Jesus and later on in that story the Bible says that the men of that city said we believed because she we we started to believe because she told us, but now we believe because we've heard you. So she was actually she was actually the first evangelist because she went and brought people back to Jesus because he because he prophesied over her. He had that word of knowledge over her that about her family situation. And but but she couldn't understand why a Jew would be talking to a Samaritan because of their hatred for each. they would they would avoid each other. They would walk for miles just so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. One one that and, and in that story his disciples couldn't believe that Jesus was going to go through Samaria. You know, but Jesus said, "No, I need to go through Samaria." And he because he had to go meet this woman. And you know, so anyway, so so here in the story of of the good Samaritan, um this you know this person was coming out of as we as we start reading here the 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 man that that got uh, mugged here the man that got in trouble he was a Jew and and the good Samaritan of course in this story was symbolized as a Samaritan so when the Samaritan stopped to help that it was kind of the, the the very first thing that we noticed about it was that it was kind of out of out of the ordinary that a Samaritan would stop and help this guy so that was just a little uh, little background as we start to read this. So in verse uh, 25, this in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, <clears throat> And we're still talking about the supernatural because, because what when we read this, we're going to see how the supernatural, how Jesus ties all this in together, and, and he brings the Holy Spirit into this, and anytime we get the Holy Spirit, any anytime we get God involved, it becomes supernatural. So we'll see this. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And he said this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Now, let me. And, and if you go back to the ch- the first of chapter ten, uh, Jesus. This was where he commissioned the seventy disciples. He commissioned the seventy, and he sent them out. And and they went out and did did incredible miracles. They came back. They were shocked that it worked. You know, and they were given all these testimonies about uh, you know how the the gospel worked for them and and all this. And this is right in the middle of this. And they're coming back giving this testimony and and you know kind of the whole place is kind of in a, in a buzz about all this and, and in the middle of this it says here it says and behold a, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying master what shall i do to inherit eternal life because no doubt he had heard about he had heard about these 70 that had went out and, and was talking about this, you know, about healing and miracles and, and, you know, the supernatural, all these things. So this guy stood up and noticed that it wasn't, really it wasn't a legitimate question. It, was, it says that he tried to tempt Jesus. He was trying to trick Jesus into saying something um, to either justify his own life Or he was trying to get, you know, trying to to get around doing the right thing. And he was trying to find a way to where he could say, gotcha, to Jesus. So this lawyer stood up and he asked Jesus, what must I do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, And with all your mind and your neighbor as as thyself now this is interesting because this was not he didn't read this strictly like what what the what the good or what this lawyer quoted here wasn't like uh, in the when you go back and read the original the original language out of out of Deuteronomy and out of Leviticus these were two different portions of Scripture that he put together it didn't come from the same place Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is in one place. Love your neighbor as yourself is in another place. This lawyer put them together. Jesus actually didn't rebuke him for doing that. Actually, Jesus used it later in the same context that this guy did. Just, I mean, that's just an interesting note that, that the lawyer put two scriptures together. Jesus did the same thing later on. So that was an interesting little side fact here. So, so, um, So... The guy answered and told Jesus that, and Jesus said this. He said, well, you've answered right. This do, and you shall live. Now, remember, the context was all about what shall I do to have eternal life. The guy said, love the Lord with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, that's the right answer. He said, do that, and you'll live. But but he, now notice this, verse 29, but he, the lawyer... Willing to justify himself, in other words, he's still trying to—he's still trying to have a gotcha moment, just like any lawyer would try to do, right? I hope we don't have new no lawyers in here. So there's good lawyers too, but but this lawyer trying to justify himself, he said, trying to justify himself, said unto Jesus, "Well, who's my neighbor?" You know, he said, "He said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." So when Jesus said, "You said that right." He wanted to make sure, because here's what he was wanting to do. He, he was wanting to make sure that his neighbor was those that he could kind of keep in his circle. Because, because just saying love your neighbor as yourself was a broad statement. So, so he was trying to justify himself, trying to make sure that, that he could kind of control who he, who he had to love. He asked Jesus, he says, well, who's my neighbor? if that's the way to, inter- to inherit eternal life, love God with everything, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, then he said, then how how far out am I going to have to love? was basically, you know, he was trying to justify himself in that. So then it says, and then Jesus answering and said, now he gives this parable about the good Samaritan. So let's, I'm going to read this down through verse 37, and we're going to come back and talk about it. So Jesus said to him, and we've, and I know you're familiar with this, but for, just for the sake of context, let's just read this together here. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was about a 17 mile journey. Um, and Jer- Jerusalem, anytime you see the word, the city Jerusalem, mentioned in the scripture, um, they, if, you're, if you're going to Jerusalem, the Bible always says you go up to Jerusalem. And if you're leaving Jerusalem, going somewhere else, the Bible says you go down from Jerusalem. And the reason being is because Jerusalem is on a hill. Stacy and I have been there. We, we, they, we stopped like way outside of the city when we, when we first got into, into Jerusalem there or heading into Jerusalem. And we overlooked like the valley surrounding Jerusalem. And sure enough, Jerusalem was sitting high up on a hill. And to get there, you had to climb, you know, the, the mountain, the roads led up to Jerusalem. And if you left Jerusalem, you would, you would descend and go down to any other city that you were going to. So he said here that that Jerusalem, a man left Jerusalem and went down to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, and when, he, and when he was at the place, he looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed... He took out two pence and he took out some money and gave them to the host or to the innkeeper and said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever you spend more, when I when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these? Jesus now, you know, he's looking at this young lawyer and he said, Which now of these um, these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? and the lawyer said well he that showed mercy on him then jesus said unto him go and do likewise so like i said now we've always read that and we've always just you know a lot of times we don't even read the the first couple verses that i read because because we don't most people don't equate this parable with with what jesus said was eternal life but i want you to look at it from a new perspective this morning i want you to look at it from from the perspective of maybe how jesus was was talking and 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 showing this parable to this rich young or this uh, this lawyer. So let's look at this for a minute. Who if we're looking at it from a redemptive standpoint if if we're looking at this like like Jesus is telling the story of of redemption through this through this story of the good samaritan, through this parable of the good samaritan. The man would be symbolic of Adam. In other words, mankind. So mankind left Jerusalem was going down you know, going down his own way, and he fell among. So on your on your handout there, <clears throat> I put man equals, and and I just want you to write Adam out beside man. So the man in the story was Adam or mankind, and it says that he he, was, he took his journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. The thieves in this story, of course, would be Satan and all of his uh, demons. And notice what, notice what happened here. It says, it says three things that, that these thieves did to this man. It says, it says he fell among thieves. Number one, which stripped him of his raiment. Number two, wounded him. And number three, departed, leaving him half dead. So what is the, when, when we talk about what happened at the fall and when we talk about the curse of the law, the curse that, that came when Adam and Eve fell, there's three parts to the curse. And the three parts to the curse that, that, by the way, Jesus in His his death, burial, and resurrection redeemed us from the curse, so we're redeemed from all three of these. But the three parts of the curse is this. The first one is poverty. And notice here it says that they stripped Him of His raiment. They took His possessions away from Him, leaving Him in poverty. Now, if you think about what Adam... If you think about what Satan did to Adam and Eve, what did he do? He stripped them of their glory. In other words, now he actually didn't do it. When they just when they when they agreed with Satan, they lost their glory. You know, they lost their connection to God because they agreed with Satan instead of agreeing with God and doing what he told him to do. But number 1 there was they 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 stripped him of his raiment, which is poverty. Number 2, they wounded him which would be sickness. Now, what did, what did God tell Adam and Eve would happen to them? You know, Because, listen, when God created Adam and Eve, He never intended for them to die. He told them, He said, be fruitful and multiply and, and subdue the earth. He intended for Adam and Eve to have kids and to procreate and to, and to take the Garden of Eden and expand, and expand it and expand it and expand it until the whole earth was subdued and until the whole earth became like the Garden of Eden. and But no, now here, Adam, in this story, Adam comes among thieves, which was Satan. He, Satan stripped him. He, he brought poverty to him. He wounded him. He he brought sickness into him because what did God tell him? The moment you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Sickness Sickness did not come in until... Listen, Adam and Eve had to die some way because God never intended for them to die. And sickness wasn't introduced until, until they broke covenant with God. And, and, and the reality is they had to learn how to die. It took them 900 years. They didn't know how to die. If you look at the genealogy, man, I mean, those first ones, man, they lived 900, 800, you know, all, I mean, many, many years. The oldest man, Methuselah, lived, what, 958 years or something like that? Nine hundred sixty-nine. Not, not quite a thousand, not quite that, 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 that span of a thousand years, but, but almost reaching that. So the second thing was that he fell among thieves, and, and they stripped him of his raiment, which is poverty. They wounded him, which was sickness. But the third and probably the, the most devastating of all three of those was, was the spiritual death. And notice here in this story, it says they left him half dead. In other words, when Adam and Eve, when they when they when Eve took that fruit off the tree that day, she 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 ate that fruit we always depict it as an apple. I don't know what kind of fruit it was, but but when she took that bite of that apple, the, God told them, God had told Adam, he said the moment you eat that, you will surely die. But guess what? She ate it and she didn't drop over dead. Adam knowing what she did, Adam took the the fruit and he ate it. He didn't die. Or not naturally, anyway. But what happened? Spiritually, they died. So you can say this. They died spiritually. They were still alive physically, but now they were spiritually dead. So we could say that they were half dead. They were, they were alive physically, but spiritually they were dead. So here, the threefold curse, the threefold curse of the law is poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. So, so here, so here we have now. You have this dilemma. Here, this guy is here. Adam is on the side of the road. He's been robbed of his of his of his wealth. He's been he's been wounded. He's he's sick now, and he's he's half dead. And he's laying there, and he can't help himself. He has no way to help himself now. But just by chance, and just just because you know uh, other things happen, and other people get involved in this. We come to the part here where it says, in verse 31, and it actually says, and by chance there came down a certain priest. So now you would think, you would think a priest would help somebody that had just been, that had just been robbed and, and was sick and was half dead. What does the priest represent? It, it represents religion. Now you think, Jesus, who was the only people that Jesus really scolded and really was very hard on in his ministry it was the religious folks the Sadducees and the Pharisees I mean it was the ones that that should have been doing the right thing Jesus told him said you search the scriptures daily and you don't even know that I'm right in front of you you know so the priest represents religion and notice what religion will do religion notice it says and by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him he passed by on the other side Religion, listen. Religion will leave you stuck in a ditch. If you can't help them, they're not going to help you. <laughs> so, so when people look to religion, and listen, we've all been, we've all probably been stuck in religion and had religious uh, thoughts and religious uh, mindsets, and you know, because one of the great things that Satan loves to do is get people tied up in religion. Not the gospel, but in religion. Because if they get you tied up in religion, it's all about, it's all about the rules, it's all about works, it's all about doing, doing something to get, to, to get right. See, this guy, the priest, religion, looked over there and saw, saw Adam, and he just walked by on the other side and said, I'm not going to help. See, because religion won't help you. The second thing, now notice he goes on, he says, and likewise the Levite, when he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. so this so now the Levite, at least he walked over to the edge, you know the here like if, if Adam's laying right over here, the, the religion came by, and religion just looked at him and just turned his head and kept walking. Now here comes the Levite. the Levite at least at least walks over here and looks, oh yeah, that's pretty bad, then keeps going. I went golfing with somebody the other day and and uh, he got. <laughs> He hit it, in the, hit it in the bunker, and we were, he was, you know, and, and I told him, we got up to the bunker, and he was right on the lip. I said, yeah, that looks bad. He's like, well, thanks for your support, man. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, anytime." I was like, that's a bad shot, man. And, you know, and he's like, well, man, thanks for your support. So the Levite looked at it, looked at it, and passed by. What does the Levite represent? The Levite represents the law. You see, the law was given because man turned his back on God. The law was given, but the law was never given to save. The law was given to point man and, and to show man their need for a Savior. So the law went and looked on him, and he's like, yeah, you're in pretty bad shape. Sorry, can't help you, and went on. Because if you trust in the law, it'll leave you half dead. It'll leave you stripped and wounded. When you try and do it in your own strength, by works and by, by your ability and, and by keeping the law or keeping religious traditions or anything like that the least and the levi and the priest they just walked right on by and just didn't even help this guy so now adam adam is in worse shape than he was to begin with because now the religion came by didn't help the law came by the law had been given now it didn't help so now we come to verse 33 and remember adam being a you know symbolic in this story being a jew it just by chance he probably looks up and sees a samaritan coming and probably in his mind he's thinking oh great a samaritan you know he won't stop to help me because they because they hated each other but it says but a certain samaritan as he journeyed <clears throat> excuse me came where he was now see now notice as we read these next couple of verses notice the symbolism here notice that this this guy that was wounded didn't have to come to Jesus but Jesus came to where he was You see, Jesus came from heaven to earth. Man was wounded. Man was broken. Man was dead. And and the Bible says who can go go to heaven and get God? But thank God we don't have to go get Him because the Bible says He came to us. This Good Samaritan in this story came to this man, came where he was. He didn't the, the man didn't do anything. The man was laying there. He he didn't have money. He was sick. He was half dead. He had nothing to offer this guy. But yet here this Samaritan came. It says he came to him. He says he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Thank God that God had compassion on us. Thank God that he loves us. The Bible says he loves the Bible says, as a matter of fact, that, that he loved us first. So that we could love him. If you see, because if that Samaritan in this story, just just sticking with this story, if this Samaritan hadn't had not stopped and came and had compassion on this on, on this man, then he would never be able he would never be able to, to get out of that situation. But this man had compassion. He loved him. The Bible says this the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were at your worst, while you were the worst enemy of God, while you were, while you were cursing Him and, and doing, living all kinds of hell in your life, while you were at your worst, God still loved you. And He still came to where you were. He had compassion on you. And then notice the next verse, verse 34, and it says it again. He went to Him. So the Samaritan, let me just say this, the Samaritan would be Jesus in this story. Jesus came to us. And notice what He did. The first bullet point there, the first little star, He went to him. Jesus went to him. The the broken man didn't have to come to Jesus. Jesus went to him. And then it says that He went to him and He bound up his wounds. The, The second bullet point there was that He bound up his wounds. That He brought healing in this guy's life. Thank God. You see, because now here, this starts the story of redemption. Redemption is when Jesus, we, we were. We we had, listen, we had nothing to offer Jesus whatsoever. We had no, I mean, we had no money. We were sick. We were broken. We were half dead. I mean, listen, we were nothing. We were going to be nothing but a burden to somebody. But yet Jesus came to us and he stopped and he had compassion on us and he, he came where we were, and He bound us up. In other words, He took us just like we were, and He said, here, let me help. And it says that He bound him up. But then, very interesting, He says this. It says, He bound up His wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Now, you have to understand that, that there's not, you know, when we read the Scripture, there's nothing put in the Scripture by accident, or just by coincidence. So when it says he poured in oil and wine, you have to go back and find out what oil and wine represented and and just in a quick i want to as quick as i can I'll, I'll say this the oil represents the Holy Spirit in the new birth because if you think about the scripture um oh i can't i can't remember the script uh, the reference now, but where it talks about that uh you can't pour new wine into old wineskins or else it will bust and it says you've got to pour the new wine into new wineskins. If you study that out, actually, the, the wineskins we know in that day were the, they weren't bottles, they were like leather wineskins. And if it didn't, and if you didn't keep wine in them, they would become hard and brittle. But you could also, you could take, actually you could take oil and rub the, and smear the oil on it, and, and you could actually bring one of those brittle wineskins, uh, uh, one of those brittle wineskins back to life. You could get it to where it would hold new wine. And in that, in that scripture where it says that you can't pour new wine into old wineskin, the, the word new was two different, two different words there. And the second one, that the new wineskin, was was, was really meant a remade wineskin. And that's exactly what happened on the inside of us. You know, we became a remade on the inside, brand new creation on the inside. But you take that oil and it makes the wineskin new so that the new wine can be poured into it. But the oil represents the salvation. And, and all throughout Scripture, you see this that, you know, like when, when a king was anointed, what were they, how did they anoint the kings? They anointed the kings with oil and and it was you know and so oil always represented an anointing for a, a, something new a new season a, something new so here we see the oil in this story represents the holy spirit in the new birth and then wine now i know we just had communion last week and we talked about uh you know how how the 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 blood of jesus wine represented the blood of jesus and that's one aspect of it but then also we we understand when you study wine out in the new testament it also represents the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we reference the, the, the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and he said, he said these, monk, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But he said, he said, what? He said, as it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, he says, but in other words, what he was saying, they're not drunk with, with natural wine. They were drunk on the wine of the Holy Spirit. So the wine in this is the, is the Holy Spirit being poured out, or we can say it this way, being filled with the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go on and read the rest of this, and then, because in the next couple weeks I'm going to pull those two out, the oil and the wine. We're going to pull those two out and talk a little bit more about it. But, but so the oil is the Holy Spirit in the new birth, the wine is the Holy Spirit being poured out, and, and what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being, being filled with the Spirit. So let's go on and read. It says, So he poured in oil and wine, And set him on his own beast. So now what Jesus did was he picked us up and he put us on on his own beast. That beast is representative of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he picked us up and he put us in the Holy Spirit's hands. And then it said this, and he brought him to an end. Well, what is that representative of? That's representative of the New Testament church. Because notice, notice what he said here. It says he set him on his own beast and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. What is the whole purpose of the church, the whole purpose of, of the New Testament church when Jesus instituted the church and it was his idea, it wasn't man-made's, mankind's idea, it was God's idea. When he instituted the church, it was a place so that his people could be taken care of. And so, so it says he brought him to the inn and he took care of him. And then he goes on he says, and then on the morrow, when he departed, he took out, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever you spend more, I, when I come again, I will repay thee. So the beast was the Holy Spirit, the inn was the church, and the innkeeper was again the Holy Spirit. Because he left the Holy Spirit in charge... Of the church he left us in charge of the church but he left the Holy Spirit in us to help us run to help us to help us stay you know to, to keep on track to to be able to do what to do his plan to stay to stay in the will of God he put the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus and he said this in this story he said this when I come back I'll take care of any other problems that you have so we know that, and so we can see this being a picture of Jesus because when he departed, what did he say? I'm going to send another one just like me to be your helper, your teacher, your strengthener, your comforter, your standby. All those things. And then he said, I will come again. You know, John 14 tells us, he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and get you and take you where I am. So so he said, so he said that uh, when I come again, I'll repay you. And he asked him, he said, now which of these are your neighbor? And the guy said, well, the one that had mercy on him. So see, here, here is what Jesus said. The question, the original question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the answer in a nutshell is this. You've got to love Jesus. You see, because I guarantee you this, this man, Adam... That was, that was robbed, beaten, left half-dead, I guarantee you, when when Jesus came and picked him up, the Good Spirit came and picked him up, bound him up, poured in the Holy Spirit, baptized him in the Holy Spirit, set him in the church and said, Here, this they're going to take care of you now. And the Holy Spirit is left here to, to, to take care of any other issues you have. And then he said, I'll come back to get you. But I guarantee you, that guy had an affection for Jesus that guy had an affection for the good samaritan in the story wouldn't you say that wouldn't you say that he would he would be thankful for him that he stopped and that he bound that he came to him that he bound him up that he that he did so jesus so jesus was telling it, telling this this uh, lawyer he was saying he's saying who's my neighbor and jesus basically was saying this when you love because the, the remember the two things his answer was when jesus said what does the law say he said love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength and then number two, love your neighbor as yourself. The answer to this was this When I love Jesus with everything in me, I'll love anybody he puts in my path. But what is the key to being able to love anybody he puts in our path? Is it the law? Is it religion? Is it doing doing works? Is it is it you know keeping a set of rules and 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 rigid things and and you know working ourselves to the bone? No, it's not that at all. What's the key to being able to love anybody? Loving Jesus. You see because when we love him then he comes to us and he takes care of everything and he bounds he, he wraps us up he he binds us up he pours in the the whole, he's given us the holy spirit not only in salvation on the inside but he's given us the baptism of the holy spirit for the for the works on the outside and we'll we'll talk about that in the weeks to come but but so so and you might say well pastor what's that got to do with the supernatural listen It has everything to do about it. Because this story here, uh, I want you to notice a couple things as we finish up here this morning. The story here is this. The Holy Spirit is not just in our lives for salvation. A lot of people think that, that when we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and that's all He does. But notice in this story, the Holy Spirit came in at salvation But he also also was the baptism. He also was the beast that we rode. He also was the innkeeper that that helped take care of of us. And, And he was there whenever Jesus comes back. He's going to be there to hand us back off to him. And see, so the Holy Spirit has multiple roles in our lives. And when we involve him in every area of our lives, then that's when we'll see the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. That's when we'll see the evidence, even like the, 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 the testimony i shared with you when we received the tithes, that's when we'll literally see the hand of God working in our lives in every area. So, so the, question, the, the question is, while well, you're asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically just, he, he asked him, he said, what does the law say? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus basically said, let me tell you a story how you do that. You love me first. And then you can love anybody that comes in your path. And, and, then, and then Jesus said, which one ha-? He said, which, which one of these three was the neighbor? And the guy said, well, the one that had mercy on him. And then what did Jesus tell him? Go and do likewise. In other words, go and love me. Give your life to me. Sell out for me. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And when you do that, no matter who comes in front of you, you'll be able to love them. Because you have the Holy Spirit. You have, you have everything you need. To take care of whatever whatever obstacle fate, whatever situation comes in your life, and notice it wasn't it wasn't a um, a politically correct thing because he was a Samaritan and he he bound up and helped a jew be or a Jew be healed, so it wasn 't anything about well I only love my kind, my color, my nation my this my that no it's we love whoever God puts in front of us there's no color there's no na- nationality there's no uh, there 's no barriers that the love of god doesn 't break down when we allow him to do that, but first and foremost is this: you have to love God, you have to give your life to him, you have to be willing to say lord i 'll let you come in and bind and, and heal me up and and bind my wounds and and wrap me up and 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 carry me and set me in, in the place where, where you have for me to sit. You see, the church, guys, listen. Here, I mean, this is another example of where Jesus is teaching about, I, I believe, I mean, this is a good example of this, where he's teaching about the importance of a church. You see, this guy, this guy that had been, been stripped, been, had, was sick, and now that he was, he was half dead, where did Jesus take him? He didn't take him to heaven right away. He took him and he put him in the church. Why did he put him in the church? Because he said he said here's where you'll get healed. Here's where here's where you will lo- learn to love me. Here's where you know here's where you can start exercising your gifts. You can learn how to flow with the gifts that I put on the inside of you. And Jesus said, Hey, I'm coming back. You know, I'll come back and I'll I'll get you. But but in the meantime, I'm leaving somebody in charge. I'm leaving the innkeeper and he's he's going to look over you and make sure that you stay in line, make sure that you, you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing. And he's there to help you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, he said if he said if it takes anything extra, I'll take care of it. So there's no excuse to say, well, you know, yeah, that works for you, but you don't know my story. Well, Jesus Jesus covered that by saying, "You know what? If it's if it's the the worst-case scenario, and and I didn't equip the Holy Spirit to take care of whatever you needed, he said when i come back i'll take care of it now there's not a there's not a situation that'll that'll you know that will be that'll be true because guess what the holy spirit is is our heavenly father he is jesus living on the inside of us <clears throat> and we have everything we need but the supernatural power in this story is this is that we do we we see you and i, I i've been saying it was adam but the reality is you and i are that man that got that got mugged Going from leaving from Jerusalem, and it was Satan the one in John 10:10 10, that 10, says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy you know anything negative that happens in your life anything that brings death and anything that, that, anything that's stolen from you those type of things it you know God didn't do that. the Bible says it's the enemy that steal kills and destroys but Jesus said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly so Jesus said I came, I, he said, I came to you and I'll heal you up. I'll bind you up. I'll pour the Holy Spirit in you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you everything you need. I'll pick you up. and I'll set you in a place where you can be healed and you can learn and you can, you can grow. And when I come back, you'll be ready for me. Come on. That's good news. Amen? But the key, the first, the first and foremost key is this. You've got to love the Lord. You've got to give your life to Him. And when you do that, then the Holy Spirit comes in. And you become that new creation. You become you become that powerhouse of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And then and then from there, whatever, whatever shows up on your doorstep, you're ready to, you're ready and able to meet that need. Amen? Let's bow our heads just for a moment. <clears throat> if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus, I've I've never made him the Lord of my life, but but I want to do that today, would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray with you and, and just love on you and share the love of Jesus with you. Anybody at all? <clears throat> Let's all stand to our feet. I don't see any hands, so we're all, we're all born again, I believe, and, and uh, on, our way to, on our way to heaven. But if you have a need in your life that you need prayer, I want to invite you to come down. Stacy I would love to pray with you. We'd love to be able just to love on you and, and share, share the, the goodness of God with you. If anybody has a need or a prayer request, uh prayer need we 'd love to pray with you, anybody at all give you just a moment so as we as we leave today, and you can come as i finish finished talking, but as we leave today, I want you to know this Here, here's here's what I want you to get out of this one another thing I want you to get out of this sermon today is this is that there's no ditch too deep there's there's no wound that's too bad, and there's no no death that is bad enough. To where Jesus won't come to you. Wherever you are, whether whether you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been a Christian for for 80 years, you just got to know this. When you love when you love him, you know, just just he he loves you regardless. Your love for him doesn't change anything. In other words, when Jesus came to that guy, he didn't look at him and say, "Do you love me?" He didn't look at him and say, "Are you going to obey me? Are you going to do everything perfect?" Jesus just came to him and had compassion on him and loved him. And you know what Jesus wants to do for you today? He just wants to come and love on you. He wants to come and put his arms around you and say, Son, daughter, you know, I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. You may have made some mistakes, but listen, I love you. And I'm here to help you if you'll just, if you'll just open up and let me. That's all he's asking. You know, he's not going to come in and knock you down and make you obey him. He's just looking, he's looking for the availability. He's looking for somebody to say, Lord, I need you. <clears throat> I need you in my life. I need your help. And when you do that, then just like this story, he'll have compassion on you. He'll bind your wounds up. He'll set you in. He'll bring people across your path that are perfectly, perfectly met to, to meet every need you have. So wherever you are today, regardless of your background, regardless of what, what your life has been like, I just want you to know this God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he, he wants to have compassion on you today. So, so never get to the place where you think that you've gone too far, your life's too messed up, but just know this, that God loves you and that He's there for you and He's, he's wanting to set you on the right path and get you back going in the right direction. Amen? And so, so with, that, with that being said, you guys go enjoy today knowing that, man, that, that good Samaritan was Jesus coming for us and that He loves us and that there's nothing, there's no circumstance that we'll ever be in where, where it'll stop him from coming to us, Amen. Amen, Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we're gonna we're gonna we'll be dismissed. Remember tonight, uh, leadership very very important. That all my leaderships here tonight. So if you if you are in leadership, please try to be here. We will have, um, uh, we'll you know, and and, and if you want to get in leadership, if you want to get more involved, we invite you to come tonight. And be a part of that, but especially all my leadership. I need you here at 5 because we've got some very important things to talk about. Uh, sign up for bowling. Uh, that's going to be next Sunday night. And for baptism, if you want to be baptized, sign up. If, if you're planning on being baptized, bring a change of clothes next week because uh, we'll, we'll baptize. Make sure you bring a towel and a change of clothes and, uh, and just don't wear anything see-through if it gets wet. Just you know, for just for the sake of everybody, so uh, you know, just just make sure make sure it's something dark, and uh, you know, so that'll be a blessing to everybody. Amen. So uh, I pray you guys have a great week. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you soon.